I haven't seen you in so long. How are you doing? I should introduce myself. My name's Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this really cool church, and we've been on vacation forever, and we're back. So thanks for still being here. Woo! Hey, did you guys enjoy that storm last night? Wasn't that just... Yeah, and some of you are here, and you don't even have electricity at home. Well done. We know you're here, and you didn't have electricity because we're looking at your hair. Ha! <laughs> All right, so you ready for my dad's joke? My dad joke? Because you, you guys shared dad jokes, right? I just heard this one in the lobby. Why does the chicken coop only have two doors? Because if it had four, it'd be a sedan. You want one more? Yeah, one more, one more. How, how do you plan an intergalactic party? You plan it. Here's one for my son Noah. Why'd the toilet paper roll down the hill? To get to the bottom. Oh, that was Phoebe's? Okay, it was Phoebe's joke. Okay, it was Phoebe's joke. Those are my kids. Anyway, hey, everybody. So I'm so glad you're here, and we are continuing our series on Romans. And we have been taking every single week going through Romans a chapter at a time, and we are on chapter 8. And chapter 8 is full of ooey-gooey theological goodness, and there's no way I will do it justice. I am not that good of a speaker, so I'm not even going to try. So thank you for coming. Y'all have... Okay, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but I'm really only going to cover the first little bit of it, and here's the reason why I hope there's just so much to it. I hope that you um, this week will jump on the online Bible studies, those QR codes are in your notes so you can join one. And then also we're going to do a special podcast. Um, I'm going to do a special podcast on Thursday at 4.30. Um, it'll be streamed live on Facebook Live, so you can jump on there and ask questions and we can talk or whatever and talk through the rest of this chapter. Um, and then if you're working and you can't make that, then it'll be on YouTube and all the other platforms. But um, you, if you're working, really just put your earbuds in. Nobody's paying attention. Just, you know, ask your questions. What are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm working. Mm -hmm. Just lie. It's for the king. Okay, don't lie. All right. Uh, so we're doing that. Um, but this is chapter 8. And so are you ready to dive into one of the greatest chapters in the Bible? In fact, theologians, um, the, all, the, all the people say that of all the Paul writings, all of the Pauline writings, that Romans is the greatest book of all of them, and chapter 8, they say, is the greatest chapter in the greatest book. So are you ready to dive in? Yeah. Are, are you ready to learn something today? Yeah. I mean, if not, I, I asked this question first service, and it might sound harsh, but why are you here? I mean, why, why, why are you here? Are you here to worship Jesus and learn and grow a little bit? Then fabulous. So you ready to dive in? Let's learn something. Grab your notebooks, grab your phones, grab your notes. Let's do this thing. Um, we're going to dive into chapter 8. And before we can even dive into chapter 8, sorry for all the buildup, but we've got to go back to chapter 7. Because if you remember, Romans, when all these letters in the Bible, they didn't come with chapter and verses. And so sometimes we want to pigeonhole things into a chapter like it's a whole new thought, and it's not. The Apostle Paul is just writing this letter. And so to help make sense of this and where we are, you've got to go back to chapter 7. And I'm just going to read the one verse. We're not going to dive like all into it. But I thought I would read the Dr. Seuss verse. Anybody remember the Dr. Seuss verse from last week? Um, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. It says, I do not understand what I do, for I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do, 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 do. 
I added a few doo-doos. But uh, it's, it's this whole idea where, um, you know, we have a sin nature, right? Pastor Patty talked about this last week. You, you all tracking with me? I haven't been gone that long, so I at least need a Presbyterian amen now and then, okay? Um, but we have a sin nature, you're born with it, and then the law comes along and actually helps us identify that sin, right? You don't know it's sin until the law says, hey, bro, that's sin. And once you see the sin, you can't unsee the sin that you just saw. It's like, okay, I think probably a website that's more popular and been around longer than even YouTube um, is, have you guys been to this website called People of Walmart? <laughs> Come on, you don't have to do a full confession, but how about just like a bender with a little regret? Nope, nobody's even going to do a little? Come on, people. People of, okay, if you have not been to People of Walmart, let me do that. Do this. Go home, do yourself a favor, go to people of Walmart, because what they do is they post pictures, you can play along too, because we have Walmarts, and we're in Mississippi. So um, they, they take pictures of people in Walmart with what they're wearing or whatever, and then post them on this website. And let me just tell you, there's certain things that you will see that once you see it, you can't unsee that. Like, it's etched in your brain forever, and you're thinking, then, Pastor, why would you recommend it? Because I'm going to laugh at you. Because you can laugh at me. Because there's things that are etched in our brain that once you see, come on, you know, you've been to Walmart. And you wonder why people were taking pictures of you is because you were wearing that, right? It's just because just it comes in your size, honey, doesn't mean you should buy it. Welcome back, Pastor. Okay, so once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's what happens. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. It's like we have a sin nature. We have sin, but you don't even realize it's sin until the law points it out and says that's sin. And then here's what happens. We love Jesus. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Yeah, okay. So you love Jesus, and, and you have this sin nature. Whether you like it or not, you have this sin nature, and you love Jesus. And the law points it out and says that it's sin, and then so what do we do? We confess and we fight the sin and we identify with chapter 7. I do, not, I do not like what I do. I do not eat green eggs and ham or whatever. Um, and so we struggle with that. And here's what happens. We end up living in this, this sin continuum where all we're doing is living our Christian life, looking at the different sins that we're committing and doing, and then repenting of those and trying to get over those sins. And it's just this ongoing fight. And can I tell you something? That is an exhausting way to live. And that is not the way Jesus wants us to live. And you're like, but Pastor Craig, it says in chapter 7, uh, you just read it. I do not understand what I do. Whoop. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. I do, do, do. And so I know I do it. And so if it's in the Bible and I relate to that, then that's just how it is. No. No. Um, that's living. And today, if you will just lay aside all your religious baggage for a few minutes, I bet you'll leave here different. 
Because some of you have been living your Christian life in an exhausting fashion and you don't understand why this Christian life is not as life-giving and as freeing as you want and as you've heard about because you are constantly living in this sin continuum rather than living a completely different way. And the Apostle Paul gets to chapter 8 and he says, it's like, he says all this stuff in chapter 7 about living in the sin continuum and then he says, <laughs> but wait! That was really weak, guys. But wait, there's more. And we turn the page to chapter eight. Look at this verse in chapter eight, verse four. He says this, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. What is the requirement of the law? Remember we talked about, we just talked about this? Yes, sir. Sin continuum? What's the law? The law is constantly telling you, that's a sin, that's a sin. That's a sin. Sinner, sin, sin, sinner, sin, sin, sin. That's a sin. That's a sin. And now Jesus comes along and says, hey, if I'm in your life, the law might say that's a sin, but I've already taken care of that sin. It's been fulfilled in him. Okay, 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 okay. But wait, there's still more. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled to the anointed one living his life in us. And... We are free to live. And some of us have never experienced this part, but we need, it's, it's forth. We are free to live, not according to our flesh. What's the flesh? The flesh is that sinful nature, right? So he's covering the two very things that 99% of Christian world fights with all the time. And he's saying, you're fighting the wrong battle. You're playing off the wrong scorecard. I just started playing golf. I did, for real though. I'm horrible at it. But uh, I realized that if I keep my own scorecard, I'm a way better golfer. <laughs> and the guys I golf with, they're like really good. And I'll say, hey, or they'll say, hey, what'd you get on that hole? And I'll be like, what'd you get on that hole? <laughs> oh, I was one under. Good for you. I was three under. <laughs> like, that's not true. I'm like, I have a spiritual scorecard. That's what I call it. It's my spiritual score. Okay, that's a little funny. All true, however. But the point being, some of us are just playing with the wrong scorecard, and you think that's the only way to live your life, and the Apostle Paul is saying, would you please stop it, because there's so much more. And you're limited, limiting your very freedom that Christ has for you. And you live free to live, not according to our own flesh, our own uh, sinful nature, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> you aren't getting this at all, are you? Some of you are like, okay, you should be thinking this. If you're in this room or watching online, you should be thinking, okay, Pastor Craig. So yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you. I, uh, yeah, I've been known to go three, four, 600 rounds with my sins, addictions, habits, and hang-ups, and spouse. You gotta add the spouse in there. I, I, I ain't done that, and I love Jesus, and so if you're telling me there's a way to step out of the sin continuum and live my life by a completely different scorecard, oh, do tell. Anybody interested? Four of us, great, okay, so just me and the other four. Um, 
so he, before I can tell you how to live that kind of life, I gotta tell you how it's possible that you can live that kind of life. Because that's where the Apostle Paul starts. If you don't understand the how, you'll never understand the how. Look, look who's Dr. Seuss now. Pow. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we have to go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now listen, if Romans is the greatest book that Paul ever wrote and chapter 8 is the greatest chapter Paul ever wrote in the greatest book, verse 1 is the greatest verse in the greatest chapter in the greatest book that Paul ever wrote. If you will get this one verse today, if you will get this one verse today and genuinely allow it to be in your heart, I'm not talking about some cheesy tattoo or a cross-stitch thing on a pillow or anything like that. I'm talking about letting a scripture come to life in your soul. Here's what it will do. It will melt off the veneer that organized religion and church has put on your soul, making you live a stiff, crotchety Christian life rather than living in the freedom that God has for you. So if you're ready to, nobody wants that. I, I, listen, if you want all of the, the rigidity and stiffness of a Christian life that just looks awkward, it just looks awkward, you're gonna say, that's not scriptural. Sure it is, we're getting ready to unpack this thing. Look at what it says, Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you got that, some of you. I, I like how Romans chapter 8, verse 1 in the Passion Translation says this. So now the case is closed, sweetheart. Boo thing. I added the boo thing. Sorry, that's not really in there. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. That's incredible. Condemnation is the key word in this verse. Condemnation is a legal term, not an emotional term. It's not based on how you feel. It is how many, it doesn't matter how you feel about the speed limit. When you get pulled over for doing 80 and a 70, not that I ever have, but I'm just saying, if you ever get pulled over for doing 80 and a 70, and the officer says, Do you know how fast you were going? He's like, that's not really relative. It's how I feel how fast I was going. <laughs> how many know that's not going to fly with the officer? And condemnation is a legal term, not a feeling. And, and so, there's a common term back then. It's a common term today. Like, if you do a heinous crime, you commit a heinous crime, you get caught. And the judge might say, uh, you know, sentencing, you are condemned to death row, or you are condemned to whatever, or even all the way back, Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus was condemned to die on the cross. There was, there was a penalty. It's a legal ease. Are y'all following me? Now, this term, therefore there is now no condemnation to them that love the Lord. I grew up in a church environment, and I know that the church environment I grew up in is still happening today, and is still rampant even in lovely DeSoto County, and so Here's what I was taught this verse was. This verse was taught to me as being temporary and conditional based out of fear and guilt. Okay. Let me unpack that. Can I unpack that? I'm going to have to because some of you were like, yes, it's that way. Okay. Here's what I was taught. I was taught that if I get saved, yippee. You know, you, you say the sinner's prayer. To get saved, even though Jesus never used the center prayer, nor did any other disciple ever use the center prayer, nor was it anywhere in the New Testament. We'll talk about that another time. Point being, I get saved. Woohoo! Some of you just went off on a squirrel tangent right there, didn't you? You're like, oh my God. 
I get saved, and so now there is now therefore no condemnation for my past sins and my present sins. However, tomorrow when I sin, condemnation is waiting in the wings like a cougar to pounce on me at a dance club. You know what I'm talking about? Just... Some of my jokes make me laugh more than they make you laugh. Okay, anyway, condemnation is waiting to pounce on us for our sins, and we feel condemned, and we're like, oh, okay, and, and we even have the feelings to back it up. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me do it in a different way. Let's stop talking about me and my cougars. Let's talk about you. I'm just kidding. I don't have cougars. Um, let's say you get saved today. Yippee. It's yippee. It's not woohoo. Patty's wrong. Yippee! I just want to say Patty's wrong from stage. Okay, so you get saved. Yippee! And then tomorrow, you sin by gossiping on social media. Okay, let's be honest. You're probably going to do that in the parking lot before you leave the church. But let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Tomorrow, you sin. Now, you got saved today, and so condemnation, there's no condemnation for yesterday's, for past sins or present sins. And then you sin tomorrow, we'll do tomorrow, and got, whether it be gossiping on social media or cheating on your wife or lying or looking at pornography or whatever, you have these sins. You commit these sins. And then hopefully, are y'all tracking with me? Hopefully, you feel bad. I'm just going to use a bad, the word bad. You, you feel bad. And since we were raised in the church and we know this verse, we say, oh, I'm feeling condemned I need to repent again. And the condemnation drives us back to the house of God to get saved again. The feeling you're feeling is not condemnation because there's no condemnation left. It says the case is closed. So what you're feeling, hopefully you feel bad, what you're feeling is a thing called conviction. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Fill in the blank. So you have this. Conviction is a moving and feeling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Condemnation is a non-emotional legal declaration of punishment for our sins. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, man, whew, I can feel some religious people be like, mm, I'm going to say it anyway. Here, here, the Apostle Paul is saying this. He's saying, listen, once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, there is, the case is closed. There is no condemnation over all of your past sins. There's no condemnation over all of your present sins. Sweetheart, hold on to your knickers. There's no condemnation for any of your future sins. It is, it is done. And what we call that in Bible terminology is good news. It's good news. Oh my goodness. As a pastor, if I can beg of you one thing, please don't ever forget this. It will change how you live your life. Don't forget that no matter what you do, God has never closed the door on you. He's never turned his back on you. He's never rejected you. He's never left you high and dry. No matter what you've done, doing, or have done, there is no condemnation. Now, we forget that. I say please don't forget that, but let's be honest. We, we forget those things, don't we? You start going on in your life and you start feeling condemnation. Well, if you start feeling condemnation, that's not from God. More than likely, it's conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to get you back on track because we are not perfect. 
<laughs> the perfect people are sitting over here. We are not perfect. Thank you. They scare me a little bit. Okay. Did y'all switch sides? Is that what you did? Because <laughs> it's normal. We forget things. It's almost like we have condemnation Alzheimer's. And, and I'm genuinely not making fun of Alzheimer's at all. In fact, my mom, let me just personally, my mom is in a home right now. She has Alzheimer's. And so I'll talk to my mom on the phone, sometimes on FaceTime, which can be scary at times. But uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you, I'll have a conversation with her, even if it's on FaceTime. And sometimes she remembers who I am, and sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes we'll have a conversation, and she'll be going along, and all of a sudden she'll forget what we were talking about. Has anybody, know, anybody ever experienced anything like this? And you can't get mad or ugly. I mean, it's just, it's just a sim, those are symptoms of what she has. I think as Christians, we have symptoms that show we forget that there is no condemnation in our lives. And there's a symptom. I wrote down some symptoms that I just feel like we struggle with, people struggle with. See if they fit the bar. We're just going to read through these. Fill in the blanks so you have them. So when you have these symptoms, you know I'm forgetting who I am in Christ. Number one, we feel far more guilt, unworthiness, and pain than we should. We're driven with a need to prove ourselves. We're oversensitive to criticism. We become defensive. Lack of confidence in relationships. Come on, this is good stuff. Are y'all just busy writing it down? Okay. Well, let me just pause, let you catch up for a second. When you see these symptoms, don't deal with the symptom, deal with the illness. And the illness is forgetting that you are living a life that is not full of condemnation. Because if you don't recognize the symptom, here's what's going to happen. You're going to forget that you belong living a spirit-filled life, and you're going to walk back over to your sin continuum fight and end up right back there. That's good stuff. Number six. I did five, right? Yeah. Number six. Lack of confidence and joy in prayer and worship. That's why you come in and you don't feel the joy. You don't feel like you can worship. You don't feel like you have the right to pray. It's because you're not recognizing who you are. You are a child of the king. This is where we come to to freely lift up our, well, I'm not good enough. No, you're not, and I'm not either. But I'm not condemned for it. I might be convicted for some things. Come on, somebody. Number seven, addictive behaviors, which can be, reaction, can be a reaction to a deep sense of guilt and unworthiness. I was uh, talking with a pastor here in DeSoto County, and we were having this conversation about grace and condemnation on past sins, present sins, future sins. And he said this, check this out. He said, we were just having this theological conversation, and he said, oh, Craig, I, I believe that there's no condemnation for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins, but we can't preach that. He said, if we preach that, then people will go, they'll get saved, and then they'll go do whatever they want to do and go crazy, go off the chain, and they will never invest in living a holy life. And so we need to not tell them about that. We need to make it more conditional. I did not say this, but I wanted to say, you're a monster. That's not Jesus. That's trying to teach obedience out of the wrong camp. Look, look, fill in the blank so you have these camps so you know. 
He was trying to teach you, and so many people do this. There are so many churches that do this, and I get slammed for not doing it, and I, I don't care. You can't cancel me because I don't care. Um, they try to do obedience from fear and duty, which is exactly what the Pharisees did, and Jesus flambayed them every time they talked. It was fear, fear of burning in hell. Do I believe in hell? Yes, I do. But I don't want to live in fear of something. I want to live victoriously in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because it's real, are nuclear weapons real? Yes. But I'm not going to walk around and go, oh my God, what if there's a new? You get what I'm saying? I mean, it's just fear and duty. And then the other one is, is I think it's Jesus. And if you're new here, this is what we try to do here at South Point. Obedience from love and gratitude. It's just different. It's just different. Let me explain it this way. An unbeliever, sin, an unbeliever sinning is like is breaking a law. It's law breaking. Okay? Y'all track with me? Yep. An unbeliever is sinning. It's, it's like breaking the law. Okay? It's a law breaker. And so what happens when you break the law? We've talked about this, whether it be spiritual or natural law. The condemnation comes in because you have broken a law. Right? Come on, y'all. Right? You've broken a law. Something's wrong. You were guilty, you were found guilty, so condemnation comes in. You were an unbeliever and you're sinning and you are condemned. Okay, that's why we need Jesus. Okay, if a believer, a Christian, a believer sins, it's like a husband. Okay, now follow, everybody following the analogy? If a believer sins, it's like a husband who does something wrong against his wife. Let's say he cheats on her or lies to her or, or whatever the thing is. He he does not, watch this, he's not breaking a law because condemnation does not come in. And in that moment, his status does not change. He is still the husband of the wife. I'm slowing down. I just want, I just want you to get this because I'm getting ready to say something that you're going to be like, mm, okay. He did not violate the law. He violated a relationship. So condemnation, there is no condemnation. It doesn't come in because a law was not broken, but it's worse because a relationship was broken. The heart was broken. He didn't come against the law, he came against a heart. And let me tell you something, as a husband, I would much rather be caught breaking the law and violating the law than violating my wife's heart. And so when you talk about where is your obedience coming from, it's out of fear and duty, I pity you. And that's shallow. Just trying to live up to the rules and the laws and being in the sin of continuum. Because here's the deal. I am obedient not because I feel like I must obey God or I'll burn in hell. No, I'm obedient because God did everything for me. He started a relationship with me. He gave himself in this man named Jesus Christ to die for our sins and made it possible for me to experience freedom in real life. Why would I do anything to hurt that relationship? Do you, do you see the difference? It's not living in fear. It's now living in love. And it changes everything, every single thing. Okay, that's how it's possible. Jesus did everything for it. I'm almost, I'm almost done. Hang with you. You're like, you haven't gotten to the how yet. How do we do this? All right. That's how it's possible. Here's the how. How do you live this life? Outside of the sin continuum, how do you live a spiritual life? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this. 
So those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. See, what do you, when you're fighting sin, when you're fighting the addiction, when you're fighting the habit and you're in the sin continuum, what are you thinking about all the time? Come on, you're thinking, all you're thinking about is, let me just break it down to just one addiction. If you're struggling with alcohol, your one sin, you're, you're struggling with that. I'm sure there's more. We all have, we have a plethora, don't we? But when you're struggling with that, all you're thinking about is not taking the next drink. Right? Which is, a, is that, a, that's a good, that might be a good thought, but there's a higher thought. Come on, are y'all tracking with me today? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. You're thinking about that. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Think about means that there's the Greek word phroneo. It means this. It means this is just the extended definition. To focus intently on something. To be preoccupied with something, to have the attention and the imagination totally captured by something. The, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, long title, so that means he's really smart. He said this. He said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. Let me break it down this way. What do you think about when your mind has nothing else to think about? Okay, so if you're at work, obviously you're, hopefully, you're thinking about work, right? So that, that's not what I'm talking, that's not what I'm talking about. You're thinking about work, right? That, that's, that's totally cool. If you're with your wife or your husband, and you're, hopefully you're thinking about them, right? Not somebody else, that'd be bad, right? You're thinking about them, that's fine, that's fine. Um, but what do you do when you have nothing else to think about? Where does your mind go? When you have nothing else to think about, whatever you think about is how you shape your life. When you have nothing else to think about, what you think about is actually your religion. That's what, he, that's what he's saying. And so we need to think about the things of the Spirit. So you're saying, oh dear God, are you saying, Pastor Craig, that I need to become a theologian and I gotta only think about the Bible stuff and the gospel? Oh no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Here's what I'm saying. I think we need to form our brains to think about the things that the Holy Spirit is pleased with. What are those things? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. It's kind of a big time. You ready for this? The Apostle Paul, and I'll close with this. Y'all still good? The Apostle Paul, the next few verses, tells us what pleases the Holy Spirit, and these are the things we should think on. And it will amaze you because it has nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do with don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Check this out. In verse 14, he says this. The Holy Spirit's trying to tell us, hey, in verse 14, he says, you are a son of God. You're part of the family. In verse 15 and 16, check this out. He says, there is no longer fear and rejection because you are children of the Almighty. In verses 26 and 27, he says this. He says, because you're part of the family, you have every right to boldly approach the throne of God and bring all of your needs and all of your prayer requests to him and he will take care of you. It's not about behavior. Get this. It's about you're part of the family. Do we mess up in the family? Well, yeah. Have you ever met a kid? But you don't kick them out of the family just because they did a behavior that you didn't like. Their status doesn't change, but the conviction should be real. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So what, what does this look like? You know, 
Oh, let me, let me break it down real quick. You can fill in these blanks, and then you can all do your clicky thingy. Um, I just broke this down a little bit easier for you. Verse 14 tells us you're adopted. You're adopted into the family of God. Verse 15 and 16, you are loved. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, you are loved. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I know this. You're part of the family of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you are part of the family of God. And you are loved. Everybody else might reject you or kick you to the curb, but can I tell you something? Jesus will never do that. And we kick people to the curb just because they're not like us. Number three, 26 and 27 tells us this, you're welcomed. You're, you're welcome in the house. You're welcome in the family. You're welcome. Now, you can run this through any kind of negative emotion. Let me just run one, let me run one negative emotion through this new thought process and see how we handle it. Can we do this? Here's the deal. How many of you have ever, go ahead, do your click. Go ahead, go ahead, all you learners, praise God. Click, 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 click. Okay. How many of you have ever worried? Anybody ever? Okay, good. First service, they all just lied. Every one of them. Yeah. We worry, right? And, and so here's the deal. If you're breathing, you're concerned. Well, we'll we're going to interchange these words real quick here. Worry and concern. You're concerned about stuff, right? I mean, if you have a job, you're concerned about your job, your work. If, you're, if you have family, you're concerned about your family. You know, and the list goes on. We're concerned. That's just part of being human. Does that mean I'm unsaved? No, you're, just, you're, you're a concerned Christian, right? Whatever it is. Here, here's the problem. When that worry, that concern, tips the scales, and now you're overwhelmed by the worry, see, now what's happened is you've stopped thinking the things of the Spirit. Because what does the Spirit say? In verse 14, he covers, he covers, listen, you're a son of God. What does that mean? Hey, you're, you're part of the family. You're welcomed. You're adopted. What does that mean? That means if I'm concerned about this, guess who's more concerned about the things I'm concerned with? My Father in heaven, because he cares. And so when I become overwhelmed with the worry, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking it out of his hands and saying, I got it. Because that's what my sinful nature tells me. My sinful nature tells me, you got to do it yourself. And God's like, sweetheart, I love you so much. If it concerns you, it concerns me. When it's my finances, I have, I don't know if you guys ever worry about finances. Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. That's fine. Just me. Um, but when I, when I come up against something financial that I'm struggling with, here's what I do. I know that I bring my tithe into the storehouse. And because I do that, there's promises that go with that that I don't have time to talk about today. But now, when I start paying my tithe and bringing my tithe into the storehouse, what happens is now my finances are no longer my responsibility. I'm to be a good steward, but they're not my finances. They're his finances. So when I come across something and I'm really worried about it, Financially, I just sit down, I've done this numerous times, and I just lay it out, and I say, God, I have no idea how you're going to take care of this, but I can't wait to see this one. Because it's his responsibility. And you know what happens? Every single time, he makes a way when there was no way. Every single time. 
But if I take those finances back and I'm going to handle it myself and I step right back over here into the sin continuum and now I'm overwhelmed by it, I have forgotten the things of the Spirit. Because the things of the Spirit says I love you just like you are. I have, don't live in fear and duty, live in love and gratitude. I'm going to pray with you guys right where you are. And here, here's my prayer today. I'm not really going to do a raise a hand thing or whatever. If you want to give your heart to the Lord and you want to start that process, then there's going to be some amazing people down front at the crosses that would love to talk to you and, and lead you through some prayer to, to just connect with him. But here's how I want to pray with you guys this morning. I think as born-again Christians, I know that's Christianese, right? <laughs> but as people who love Jesus, as people who are following Jesus, I really think we forget that there's no condemnation. And I feel like... We have this veneer on us so many times that we stop being real. Because we're afraid if we're real and I let you see the warts, then I'm gonna be judged, I'm gonna be all this. Can I tell you something? It's time to take the veneer off and just be real. We're all different, we're all struggling with stuff. Anybody else struggling with stuff? But no matter what we're struggling with, it is a joy to know I might be convicted by the Holy Spirit, but I am not condemned by the Holy Spirit. There is joy and freedom and life. And when you recognize that, I'm telling you, when you recognize that and you step out of the sin continuum, you will start living your life, your Christian life, in a way of freedom that you never knew existed. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank I'm blown away that Jesus because of what you did on the cross you literally walked into the courtroom and before the judge could slam his gavel down and say I condemn you too you stopped him and said you can condemn them to nothing because I have overcome everything and in our place you stood not just for our past not even just for our present but for our future included Lord Jesus, we are humbly grateful, and we love you so much. And so, Father, right now, every single person in this house, every single person watching online that love you, that have already called out your name, Father, I ask that you remind us today, that you cure us of this condemnation Alzheimer's, these, these spotty moments where we don't remember this and don't remember Father, let us walk in a true freedom knowing that we are saved and filled with your presence. We love you, Jesus. Let us walk in that confidence so that others will finally say, I don't know what you have, but I want that. Thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything today, there's beautiful people down in front of down front on both sides. I would love to pray with you and connect with you. They are here for you. Stand with me if you will. And while you're standing, let me remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've made that decision, there's communion elements down front on both sides that you are more than welcome to partake of. All right. I hope you have a fantastic Father's Day. Enjoy yourselves. Let's pray the benediction and we will jet on out of here. You ready? You ready? All right. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit...
with super abundance until you radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great one. Love y'all.